Welcome back to another episode of the Sporting Minds UK podcast with your host, me, Ollie Westbury. Today, we have a different kind of guest lined up for you to listen to um, an interview that I conducted uh, a few weeks ago with uh, Ali McKenzie, who is a physio at a Premier League football side. However, we are unable to mention the actual name of that football side for legal reasons. He's also the former first-team physio at Worcestershire County Cricket Club as well. Um, he, did a, he did a spell um, as a physio there. What's interesting about Ali is that he's worked across two different sports, but he's also worked in the professional game and in the academy game as well. So he offers some really unique insight for us to listen to about his experiences with mental health, well-being, and the support offered to athletes all over the country. So enjoy. Ali, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and giving up your time. It's been a, it's been a while since we've spoken. How are you? I'm good, mate. It's great to see you. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Looking forward. Yeah, to it. that's good, mate. It's great for us to get a chance to to catch up. I'm really excited about this episode. Um, I think your experiences, both in professional sport and at academy level, um, are quite unique. But also the fact that you work across two of the nation's favourite sports in cricket and football as well is is something that's just equally unique. Um, as it's been a while since we caught up, can you just tell the listeners um, a little bit of a background on yourself and what your current role is and yeah, sound. So um, I'm a sports physiotherapist, uh, qualified. I'm actually quite young in my career, um, really, but I've been lucky in my experiences so far. So I worked at, in county cricket for a couple of years uh, and then um, leading up for the COVID, just before COVID or during COVID, I got a job uh, in Premier League football. So I work in, a, in an academy, a category one academy, which is is, is probably the is the highest um, level of academy, so the the resources are good and and the and the standards are high, um, and that's me so far. Really, with my career, I've, like you said, I've been lucky to work across the two. Uh, had a lot of experience, met a lot of, lot of people, but equally, I'm still very aware of where I'm at at my level. So I'm learning a lot each time, trying to draw from a lot of different people. So I'm looking forward to having just a bit of a chat about. Uh, different experiences really from different lenses good man um so can you if we start with what you're currently doing now can you can you give us a bit of an indication of what your role involves yeah so so basically i look after um there's different phases in in premier league football you start off with the young phase which is the foundation phase then you have your youth players so your schoolboys all the way up to 16 and then you go into your professional development phase, which is over under 18s, basically under 23s, where they're where they're scholared, they're contracted, um, and they're the ones that you you've, you're trying to get up into the first team, really. And then you've got your first team, obviously, on top of that. So I work from under 16s down, uh, primarily, and float in between. But it's quite a, a fluid academy that we work in. Um, on a day-to-day, I, I manage all of the injured players in my, in my age ranges, um, which can be little niggles or long-term ones, uh, post-operative ones. Um, I coordinate, unfortunately at the moment, I help with coordinating COVID cases as well um, and any sicknesses and illnesses and stuff like that. So a lot of moving parts in my day, um, which, which is which it's sometimes difficult to manage, uh, but equally very enjoyable, but I'm, I'm very, very lucky to be able to work with, 
you know, not only some some real high flying potential footballers, um, but some equally well experienced uh, clinical minds um, that I get to that to get to be around, which which helps boost boost my learning, I guess, and and my development. So we know each other, don't we, through our relationship at Worcester when you were yep. working there and when I was still playing there. Um, we shared many a deep and meaningful conversation walking around <laughs> the boundary after I'd got no runs, didn't we? Um, so your role at Worcester, what exactly did, did, did that involve different to, to, to the football? Yeah, it, it's really chalk and cheese, I think. Um, besides the obvious, you're looking at a Premier League football club with the resources that they have compared to county cricket, um, the amount of resource and stuff like that available is, is different. And my job, my role at, at Worcester was, was probably spread a bit wider because of the lack of resources, but also the um, amount, the amount of players and so on was, was, was a lot lower. So you could still give really good care, um, but you had to scramble a little bit sometimes to, to, to meet the demands. Whereas in the academy where I'm at now, we have a, a massive backroom staff or, you know, like player welfare, um, psychology, safeguarding, HR, all these things are just massive, that, that uh, intricate parts. And, and they all exist in county cricket, certainly where, I, where we were. Um, but not to the extent. So, for example, with player welfare, the, the PCA provide one, I believe, um, who covers a variety uh, uh, that area. So the West Midlands area, yeah. say, uh, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, where, where we are, we have two that just work in the academy. So, you know, the, the contact time and the availability and the organisation and the input that we get is on a daily uh, yeah. Whereas in the in the county cricket, it was it was quite ad hoc. And don't get me wrong, my my role was a junior role there anyway, so um, I wouldn't have much of an organisation or a management role. That was really the head of medicine that 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 looked after that. I was, but like you know, I was there with the with the players. Um, I primarily primarily worked with the second team um, and and looked after the academy. But like you said, there was me with the second team and academy. So resources were stretched a bit thinner so you have to prioritize um and then during the covid season i i um i step uh, i was primarily with the first team uh simply because it was it was mainly first team fixtures that they were organizing um so yeah in, in the cricket i got exposed to a lot of different demands um yeah. so i'd be first team working with first team coaches second team second team coaches academy players and all that kind of thing and you know everyone quite well because there's few staff whereas where yeah. i'm at now you know everyone knows each other's names but there's you know there's hundreds of members of staff that that, yeah. that do their jobs you know um so you have to be very well organized and and do your bit um to make sure that everything moves smoothly and, and they meet the demands of, of what what the what the gaffer what the manager wants you know that that high performance environment um yeah so chalk and cheese but good experiences either way i think 
Yeah, it sounds like there's just a, a hell of a lot more of an infrastructure in those in, in that in, in the in the Premier League football clubs, doesn't there? I think if we if we relate this little a little bit back to sporting minds and mental health, um, if we take away the sports, football and cricket and the differences between those, like you say, you're working at academy level now and you have worked um in like you say your second team and your first team environments at Worcester, what do you think of the level of support offered to to, to those academy level and professional level and how do you think it differs because we've heard Cal speak on this podcast before as he was on Worcester's academy and he felt like he dropped through a little bit of a hole in the system whether they where they, they weren't quite providing the support for mental health quite like the way that they did um, at professional level um, it felt like there was a bit of a gap and that's where Sporting Minds UK has been created from and been forged from because of Cal kind of noticing that little bit of a gap in the system you've experienced both um, what are your thoughts on that yeah I think again it comes down to like you said like like you said the infrastructure and the resources available um, the bigger the organization the more parts the more individuals and and so on that work in that and and also the, the bigger the, the, the demand. So the pressure, um, even at my level, at, at where I'm at at the moment is extremely high. You know, you're working with uh, potentially signing, you know, under 14, 13, 12 year old kids that are worth more money than I'll earn in, in my lifetime. Do you know what I mean? Like they're, yeah. they're the next big thing. Um, they're brought for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds, millions in some cases, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're still going through school, you know. So the, the pressure there is pretty high and the pressure from the, the surrounding staff that have been doing it for a long time it is positive pressure. No, don't get me wrong. It's like, you know, these are the standards that you need to hold up against if you want to perform at this level, even as a physio or any member of staff really not not just players so it's interesting you say about um cow's back cow's history and um the level of resources at, at the at worcester or, or county cricket you know i can only speak about my opinion i can't talk about what their financial situation is i don't have a clue but as a whole you know there, there's less resource um that means that you have to prioritize and the priority would would start from the first team um, or the signed players and then go down and unfortunately um that that's where it starts to fizzle out quite quickly i think whereas where i'm at now is they they probably get looked after a lot better um, or they have a lot more uh resources available a lot of people bird's eye in their care basically is like big brothering what's going on for these players you know um that then in the academy that i was at before but it was probably just not even applicable really to to have that level of resource stretched that far um with, with the money involved so it basically from from my point of view then it changes how you have to manage things so for example if if a player in the academy in the county in the county cricket was um, appeared to be down or or was showing signs of some negative uh, a negative or a negative orientated sort of frame of mind, then it would be up to me to highlight and probably 
the the take up the uh, take it up the the ladder um as equally it wouldn't it would be the coach's job as well anyone that comes into contact with that player would would, would have to almost highlight that but then the pathway of highlighting it isn't as clear defined as the organization that I'm in now. So for example, if I was to highlight a player, I speak to player welfare on a daily, whether it's having a coffee in the canteen or, you know, uh, playing a bit of table tennis to uh, during our break or something like that. Like I'll, I'll, I'm in comms with them all the time and I've got their numbers and so on. I could, I could organize something within an hour so if I'm worried about a player or how they might be coping primarily from an injury perspective, right? So say I've got a player who's was, was given the idea that he would be the next big thing. Um, and then he's injured himself, had a, had a surgery. It's going slow. He's struggling. He's not buying into my rehab. I'm struggling to form a relationship, trying to, trying to boost him. And I, and I'm worried that it's beyond what a normal response to that kind of environment would think. Yeah. Because obviously it's negative anyway, right? Which is the in- interesting thing, which is a difficult thing, is when you get injured, it's a negative, a massive negative hit for a player. So that comes with a negative response. But at what point does that become unhealthy or what point does that become too much and so on? So but I, I have psychologists that I can chat to right then and there about a player that I'm working with right, yeah. on a weekly, um, same with player welfare or safeguarding, especially in my role at the moment. Like that's the, the interest of a thing to compare the two is the ages. So, um, you know, we, we have hundreds of kids come in, in our academy, um, all of which, come from different backgrounds, different cultures, um, different socioeconomic standards and and so on and stuff like that. So we have to be really diligent on safeguarding and player care. Um, They they also, from a performance perspective, you know, if if they're the next big thing, they they can be approached by um, people trying to exploit them for that, you know. So we get we get educated on on signs and stuff like that weekly we've we've literally just had before we broke up uh, a couple of large cpd sessions the staff cpd sessions ran by player welfare about yeah signs and, and scenarios of um uh, of things that and then we had to talk about them and discuss them um whereas in the cricket i think it was less spoken about to be honest i think um uh, it was kind of brushed under potentially um, in light of other areas where, which gets our focus, you know, the physical, the technical, the, the performance side of things, which yeah. is what, which is why we're there. But you obviously you're dealing with humans. So you have to be cognizant of they've got their flaws. We've got our, our flaws uh, and how do you try and optimize or just go about the, your job producing a, a positive working environment um, to let them shine through. Um, so it's really, it's, it's, it's difficult. Like I said, I think <laughs> I'm, I'm waffling, but I think. No, 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 you're not at all. I think that that's something that resonates so much with me when you mention about um, it's not something that it felt like it was when I was there, it's not something that your welfare felt like it was that 
I don't want to say it, your welfare didn't feel as though it was that important, but it wasn't. It didn't feel as though your welfare, as in how you are as a person or your mental health, was something that was talked about or was a priority at, at, at any point. And, and and that's not meant in a in a really negative way because you've got smaller staffs, you've got less funded budget. You know, the the, the, the clubs. I mean, what did we have at Worcester at that point? What there was two physios and one at an SNC. You know, you've got a head coach and assistant coach, and you know you've got a an extremely small, almost coaching staff, and they have to choose the roles that they decide to have very carefully because there's not an endless pot of money for them to be able to employ these people, is there? Yeah, yeah, definitely, and and I think um, we ha- we have like. So, for example, psychology came in for a part when, when I think just before I started, um, which is which I think is extremely positive. But the and I and and knowing the the clinician that worked there cared and and worked work, worked really hard to provide a really good environment. Um, but it stems from the culture, I think, and it, if 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 the culture doesn't drive it forward to the nth degree it will never get there so we have a very clear culture and a very clear dna in that in where i'm at now and you know you want you know the direction that the manager is trying to take it and you know what's important you 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 objectify it and every month or every every quarter we assess how well we are meeting and we clearly define what we're trying to achieve and within that is we're trying to develop young men because we know that it's less than 1% of them are going to make it to the senior squad. You know, it, it yeah. is literally out of the hundreds of kids, you know, one, if we're lucky, you know, well, not, not if we're lucky, but, you know, that, that's the capital that we're trying to work to. Um, so the likelihood of them succeeding is, is, is very low. Um so we have to make sure, and, and then again, like you said, you work, we're working with kids and we're working with children in an environment, in a high performance environment where we have to be aware, same as like a school has to run. Um, so when, when that infrastructure is kind of missing or it's not, it's not spread evenly or it's new, it takes a while to get to, to spread into the culture of things. Um, so, for example, if if if, a, if psychology support only comes in, you can't expect it to reach or have an effect or have buy-in from the players um, straight away. It takes a lot of yeah. time, I think, and <clears throat> I think it is a positive, a very positive step in the right direction. From from my opinion, it makes sense. Same as with player welfare, you know, I'm I was constantly learning. I still am, and you know, my, I didn't fully understand player welfare um, or the role that the PCA provided player welfare in. You know, I I knew the the employee the the, the staff member would come along and and organise meetings with the start with the players and yeah. making sure they had uh, you know a plan in place and were happy and all that kind of thing. But it's only really since I've uh, gone through the years and I've started to be exposed to a bit more, or maybe in hindsight understood what the role was and the importance of the role was um but it's all 
it's all shadowed under this performance and environment that that's yeah. the environment that we're in right it's high performance yeah, yeah for sure and, ulti- yeah. and ultimately that that is that is where we're at and it provides a lot of conflict of interest so you know from a physio point of view i work for the manager right so um, i got my player's best interests always medically yeah. but then there is a conflict of interest because if i say that player can go go and play go and play their sport right they're likely to get injured therefore it's a conflict within me trying to protect yeah. them right so it's it's quite obvious that that doesn't that, that doesn't matter because they're not going to win if they don't play but there is a lot of conflicts of interest there so you know i'm balancing risk of that player hurting themselves long term um and performing so and and it's a similar one i think with the with the mental health side of things is you have to really understand the stress that these players get put under um and i don't like i'm not i'm not saying i do but i i certainly try and understand or empathize um or at least ask the questions um because it will mean that i can deliver my intervention better yeah. um, and help them achieve what what they're trying to achieve or just flag it up like you said and pass it on to the right right person um who who is equipped to manage that situation but yeah i i think comparing the two uh we have for example player welfare just sent uh i think there was about 10 at least 10 members of staff on a mental health first aid course yeah. um which i wanted to go on but i had to cover so i'm going to go on it next year but you know so not only have we got we've got staff dotted around that are all mental health first aiders to a yeah, to a good level see, yeah. right so that, yeah. that's how serious they take it they fund all that um to highlight this issues because because of the um because of the side effects if if it goes unmissed yeah. or or we can't provide what we want to provide which is high performance which is also the mental side of dealing with it as well yeah so it's complicated mate and um <laughs> Yeah, I, I've I've been kind of looking and, and, and observing and and reflecting, but like I said, I'm really young in my career, so I can only talk about how I approach things, and I think it's very individualized depending on the person, the the injury, and, yeah. and, the, and the environment. But um, yeah, fr- from a from a organizational point of view i think the finances and the resources to provide that infrastructure are just chalk and cheese chalk and cheese yeah, yeah. we were we were chatting weren't we before before we came onto the to on to, to start recording the podcast and um we're just chewing the fat and catching up and we we mentioned about the fact i mean this always sticks out to me um and you talked about the fact that the whole uh, uh, in the football environment, the whole support staff are provided the mental health and the support care. Something that, I mean, I don't know whether you're into your Amazon Prime documentaries, but I remember watching uh, the All or Nothing documentary on Spurs. And I can remember thinking, I mean, it's Jose Mourinho was a manager at the time. And I can remember the head physio telling him that Harry Kane and all his players were out injured and they weren't going to be available. And I can remember thinking to, I can remember thinking at the time, like Jose Mourinho then effectively it looked or appeared as though he just completely ignored the physio and was like really rude to him. 
um, because obviously he he's trying to get the best. His job's on the line. He needs players to be fit. He needs them to go on the field. He needs them to be performing in order for him to keep his job. You know, Harry Kane, England captain, um, you know, phenomenal footballer. He, he wants him fit. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't exactly polite to the physio who at the end of the day, you've talked about that conflict of interests is just doing his job and has both the players and the team's um, welfare. And it, it's not the first time actually that Mourinho's done that because he did it with <laughs> it Eva Cannavara as yeah, well, didn't he? Um, a while yeah. back. So can you just explain the situation that you, you, you mentioned to me earlier about the support behind the scenes for not just the players, but also the support staff as well? Yeah. Again, like, um, it's the it's the high performance environment, and I think what you you the what you're doing with the podcast is brilliant. Um, speak, I know you've got a lot of ex players on, and the, and and a lot of the emphasis has been on player mental health, um, which which definitely needs to be talked about. And I think from my perspective, it's there's also the the caveat the aspect of you know back backdoor staff mental health, and the pressure is, is immense. Um, it's different in football than it is in cricket. Certainly was it in my role. I can't speak for any other role. Um, I'm sure the pressure is a lot higher, the higher up you go. Um, but from conversations I've had um, with colleagues, it is talked about. It is, you know, it is on the, on the radar. Like I said, I've got, we've got um, a couple of mental health, um, sorry, uh, player welfare officers and uh, support workers in our in our academy um, who are who do a brilliant job as part of being a category one academy needs but they're very aware that it's not just the players like staff burn out um, we burn out in these high performance environments we have a lot of pressure I, I probably am, I'm start like I said, I'm starting my career. So I, I feel pressure from other areas, um, but not like how it goes up the food chain. Um, I can't talk about first team um, because I, I don't know, but what you're saying sounds probably about right. I, it's not unbelievable that, that that happens. And I think I just try and tell myself that like, People or everyone you deal with has got their own shit and their own like dynamics and it will yeah. change daily. It will be volatile. The more performance, the more stress. Um, so it's to not take things personally and you have to understand. And this is, this is a part of the job where my old boss taught me quite well is you just have to be clear and concise with the information. You have to know your, your, know when to put your stool out basically when it comes to returning players anyway you know if if a coach is pressuring you to get a player back or put a player in um and you don't think it's right you have to just put your stool out because you'll override it but it's never that simple with with uh with injuries and re-injuries and, and health because like I said, the conflict of interest is there. It's like, yeah, if I could take a bit more time with him, I could I could give him a bit yeah. more safer. But they might sprain their ankle again crossing the road, you know. You can't predict these uncertain, chaotic things. Um, we try to because I think it helps us sleep a bit. But realistically, it's just random. Like yeah. a, lot of, a lot of the times it's unlucky. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but 
the higher up you go, so for example, first team in county cricket, you miss your your lead seamer or your your key seamer is out for an injury and they've got you know T20 semi-finals coming up or whatever or they're fighting for for a spot in the finals <clears throat> the, pre- the 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 decision making is different then then you're weighing up the risk and the benefit of having that person back and that's where the conflict of interest is because yeah. if i worked in a hospital it would be a no brainer i'd be like no you know it's not worth it but in a performance environment you have to you have to be real about probably what the player wants player wants to play um, yeah coach wants the player to win um and we want the player to stay safe so you have these conversations and that's why it's really clear to say that you know you work for the coach um you give them the best information you can about and and the most backed up information you can about that player's readiness to perform and their risk yeah. and and then you let them make decision or you let the player make the decision and and that's different in again in county cricket is you've got adults there you know you have to be of a of a certain age to to have a of a contract and get out of the academy whereas in my environment now you could be 16 15 and be playing in the first team you know so yeah. it, you become more paternal in that way and you need to make decisions for them whereas if i've got a senior uh, player who's you know played endless seasons and they know their body well and i'm saying you can't play and he's saying i can the coach is going to listen to the player do you know what i mean and you just have to go okay well i just have to give make sure that you get through it and and optimize yeah. around that you know and again i think the interesting thing that um we sh- probably shift on to is that a lot of it is biological like a lot of it is about the physical side not necessarily the mental side because that is a lot harder to assess um so the the psychological readiness for them to return is a massive massive indicator in our decision to are they ready you know confidence um uh are they, are they are they avoiding certain movements because they have this subconscious fear of of re-injuring themselves? Do they have these negative orientated um, thought processes that that would increase their risk of injury? You know, these are all things that we have to consider in our clinical decision to if that player is ready. Yeah. When it comes to performance, though, I think there's an expectation that you should be ready you should be ready to go out every day and perform. And, and that that's what the coach wants. Um, but realistically, it, it, it's way more variable than that. Um, with cricket, it's about form. Um, it's about long maintenance of performance over a long period of time, especially batting um, and, and bowling in like Red Bull. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, right? But in football... You can have a bad game, brush it off and play a couple of days later and have a good game. You know, you're, you know, you can, you, you can, you can ban it. You can manage that a bit easier because the rest periods in between your performances, they, they, you know, you do one good trick. It doesn't mean that, or one bit of skill or uh, a good run or a good play in football um, will be positively rewarded. It might not end in a goal or so on, but you know, you get out, and then you get another go or you have, you, you do, a, you lose a pass and you concede or you give up the ball. 
you have another re- you have another go at that right instantly yeah even if, if worst case scenario they score you have kickoff and then you have the ball whereas in cricket if you're out you're, that's you sat there thinking about it for the rest of the day do you know that's why I, mean? I used to come and talk to you al <laughs> yeah yeah but but it, it's an interesting observation for me because i'm not an athlete I, i'm rubbish at sport really but um it's an interesting observation because i try i, I work with people and i like you said the silos in, in in cricket is different like we could go and have a chat and spend the day sat talking whilst watching cricket and we're kind of a middleman between uh, the players and the coaches sometimes um a lot of the times players would come and sit in the physio room and, and chat and because yeah i don't know we're maybe unbiased or impartial we try and be or we just listen that's part of our job i think in in, in sport especially in the less funded ones whereas nowadays you know it's a lot more it's a bit more robotic probably you know i you know you, you i've got hundreds of kids that i need to keep an eye on or be aware of and i've got a i've got a uh, prioritize the injured ones and so on and stuff like that. And that's why yeah. the other resources are there because, you know, I can't safeguard every player or, or the coaches yeah. can't safeguard every player or so they have to have that infrastructure in place. Otherwise, you know, like, like, um, like you said, people fall through the cracks and, and, and still, unfortunately I pro- they probably still do to some degree. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, yeah. man. It is. It is indeed. Um, I, I know that you've mentioned that you don't work at first team level, um, so you can feel free to not answer this question. But um, I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, obviously, <laughs> football's got vast amount of funds behind it. Um, I'm assuming that you might know about the support that the first team players are provided compared to the academy players. This is in football I'm talking about now. Is that similar? Is it a consistent process all the way through the club in terms of you talk about your welfare officers and your psychologists or how does, how does that, go, how, how, how does that translate between the academy and the professionals? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't say because I just don't understand it enough. Um I, I, I started this role and, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not, not that there is a food chain, but I, I'm, if there was, I would be at the bottom of the physio food chain in this organization. Right. But so I also during COVID times, there's been a massive segregation because of that between the first team and the academy. So in a normal time, if I'd been there for a while, I'd probably be able to give you some good answers. Um, but at the moment, I really just I really don't know. But I can certainly from the amount of care or the amount of emphasis on player welfare in the academy and maybe like the under 23s, under 18s, where you've got players that would bump up into their senior squad as and when. Yeah. Um, it would be up there, mate. It would be bet it would you would hope it would be better than than what than what we have because the risks are higher, the the cost would be higher to to have a player underperform or not, not necessarily underperform, but just be, you know, um, in a bad place or, or not managing with the, with the performance demands. So the, the, when the stakes are higher, you you hope that the inputs, you know, matches that. And and I'm sure that is the case there. Um, 
but yeah sorry mate i kind of um no that's that, that, that's that okay i put you on i put you on the put you on the spot there with that one um yeah, and you, you brief thinking. it you, you brief it you briefly um segued onto my next question uh in the last bit um i feel personally as though physios are such an integral part of a sporting dressing room and like you say maybe that's because of what it was like in our cricketing environment but our relationship when we were at Worcester together I always felt as though you were somebody I could really talk to about it and like you say uh, that maybe that's because you're, you're you're more independent and and you're not necessarily the one picking the team but it always felt as though we, I could always come and talk to you about anything that was getting me down or worrying me at, uh, at the time that was in cricket and you say that 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 now the, the the footballers are are you know it, it, the support's a little bit different. So you know, do you think that's there in in the same way in your new role in the football, or is it because you're working with kids a little bit more that that's a little bit limited? Because personally, from my experience of professional sport, the two physios that I've worked under yourself and the, the head of medicine were great personalities and great characters to help you if you were struggling and they would be perfect for you to go and chat to. I don't know how you feel about, about that. I know you have briefly touched on it. Yeah. Um, well, I think the environment's more intimate at, at county cricket level, you know, we, yeah, the, the group is more coherent. So you, you spend days with each other as well and the structure of the sport, you know, I'd be sat there pitch side on a four day game uh, whilst people are, whilst our team's batting. So you, you're, you're in the mixer, you, you become friends because you have to um, as well. You have to spend so much more time with each other. Whereas at the moment um, you do get that friendship but it's at a different level. It's at, in in academy football because, you know, they they come in and then they they don't nearly spend as much time face to face. You come in, you deliver what you need to deliver. You chat, you do your pitch side for ninety minutes plus. You you make sure everyone's all right in and out, and then you don't have as much time to build those kind of relationships and until they get injured, unfortunately, um, yeah. and, and then it's difficult because you build a relationship in a negative environment. Whereas, you know, that, that player then has been, you know, you say, uh, say he's done his ACL, um, you know, a long-term injury um, for a footballer or for anyone. And then they come to see you and then you're spending day every day with them. That's all they know. And they're in this negative headspace and you're supposed to build an alliance with that, with that person to say that, look, I'm trying to, I'm going to get you back as quick as possible. This is what we need to do. Buy into what hmm. I'm doing, you know. And then the the dead space in between sets and reps, mate, is awkward. It's tough sometimes, depending on the person, um, to create a fun environment in that in that situation is difficult. And I think the 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 blessing or or, or what we had positive at, at the <clears throat> cricket was it was very intimate. So like. I don't think you ever came. I don't think you were injured uh, in, in my time. I never said treated you, but I was a I pillar of fitness. That's it, mate. A pinnacle. But um, Benny, who, who you had on, um, you know, who's, who's another good, good friend of mine now, thanks to, thanks to that job. You know, I spent a lot of time with him and that's probably why we become really good friends now. So the intimacy is different, um, but 
you know that person before they get injured, right? So they know what your role is. They know who you are as a person. They know that, you know, for example, you you would know that I'd, I'd try and listen as best I can or empathize or understand where you're coming from, as well as my skill set in managing the actual physiology or the biology of the injury understanding that person i know what they enjoy i know their banter you know i know what kind of jokes i know what they're into um and i try you try and tie that in i think that's the one thing that the psychology input in accounting cricket had for me um was the the evaluation of the player and do you remember when you did that spotlight thing do you remember that yeah where they kind of you know what what personality are you or whatever and and it's it's a model it's probably flawed to a lot of areas but it certainly like helps you and try to influence how you approach a situation for that individual because it's not the same i was Uh, always prudent prudent oh yeah i think i was uh i can't i was empathetic and i can't remember the other one probably too quiet or not 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 assertive enough or something like that i think my prudence is where (laughs) i get the the nickname of cynical wes or things (laughs) things along or negative or miserable or whatever fella used to call me you used to call me dusty and i because i always look hungover but i don't think i was ever drunk once in the last two years so (laughs) no you're still saved on my phone as dusty Dusty, (laughs) um but yeah like i think the intimacy of the environment is really important and it allows you to build those relationships um, and understand the person that you're managing. Um, so, you know, even little niggles, you know, who is your like, uh, who, you know, if someone comes to you who, who, who rarely comes to you with an injury and they're saying they're sore, yeah, you know that that's something probably you want to take a closer eye at. Whereas if you've got someone that comes in on a daily telling you about every ache and pain as a professional cricketer halfway through a, a competitive season and you've just done like four games on the bounce or something, you know that you're just going to go, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you're not dismissing yeah. it, but you know the personalities. Um, then you just have to, mold, you know, I, I, I don't have that intimacy with, with where I'm at now. Um, simply because the amount of numbers first team is probably different obviously there's a there's a lesser team um, but again I think it's difficult to um, produce that environment because because you might have to tell that person some bad news or you you, you don't want to misplace it you don't want to misconstrue your, it's a professional a relationship that you're building um, so it is it is very very different Um Ultimately, I try and have a laugh with anyone. I try and always make sure that, you know, they're in, they're getting the best that I can possibly give them. And if not, you know, I ask a lot of questions if to, to my seniors, if they would do anything different or I try and reflect on what I'm doing all the time to make it better. But ultimately it's about empathy and understanding that player trying to create a really positive environment because if they're positive they buy into what i'm telling them they do it yeah. with more intent they get better outcomes and then um they get back on a pitch and they perform which is you know ultimately my my goal and i just rehab the long term uh, um back and he's 
he just scored his first goal after being injured basically since I started. And it's a great, like, it, it is a really great feeling. And like, you do build those friendships uh, yeah. and that relationship, but it's just very different with the different ages and, uh, and, and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it's all stuff that you have to think about. Um, but really the film is the, the theme throughout is the same, you know, they're just, they're people with their own shit trying to, trying to, do the best job they can trying to be successful, whatever motivates them and uh, all the other stuff come comes in and you just weigh in the storm together kind of thing. Try You all got the same goals, which is, yeah. which is why I said the culture thing is really important, right? As long yeah. as you've got the same goal. So I'll always outline to a player or someone that's injured, you know, my, what my goal is, why do I get up every morning and, and come and do this job? And I guarantee it's the same same reason you do yours. Like yeah. it, I'm not trying to hold you back or or make this any longer. I'm trying to get you back doing what you need to be doing as quick as possible. So let's yeah. let's crack on. Um, but it's difficult, man. Yeah. Um, from a cricketer's perspective, we've talked a fair bit about the football. Um, notoriously cricketers are well uh, it seems as though it's quite a well-renowned fact now that cricketers struggle with their mental health quite a lot and that there's long tours long games a lot of time away from home with your experience in the game does it does it surprise you that that cricketers are up there with with the kind of uh, professional athletes that seem to struggle with their mental health from your experience in professional cricket um yeah, I mean, I, it, I I wouldn't say it surprises me. Um, I try and I've, I think it's the performance environment, regardless of the sport. You know, you're at the, regardless of whatever level of income or or resources the sport, you're at the top of what you're trying to do, right? Yeah. So the pressures within that, and that becomes your identity. Uh, that becomes, you know, that's your job not only is it, you know, something that you love doing, but it's also your job. So yeah. you imagine how depressed or, or how not say depressed buzzwords, but like how, how stressful it is to lose a job that you don't love. Right. Yeah. How stressful it is to lose that income or to lose that security. You know, um, I feel it. I feel it uh, at the moment um and it is stressful it keeps me up then then imagine losing that job that you love where you can't just walk into another job you know if if you can't you if you fail if you don't make it or or someone deems that you you haven't made it it's difficult to then you lose that that identity do you know what i'm trying to say that that's my yeah. opinion on, on, on what it is and i've i've spoke to a couple of ex-rugby players and their identity stripped, man. You're like put on a pedestal for uh, all of your childhood life, all the way up to whatever um, shelf life your career has. And if you don't make it, or the, by the time, even if you retire, you know that is you've dedicated so much blood, sweat, and tears to that part of you, that that identity where you've got your signing shirts, you got your name on your back, you you're walking around in the trackies and all that part of the club dynamics and that gets taken away and and i think that's that's for me is where the where the difficult parts 
or, or where that can manifest itself. Is, yeah. That's, that's my opinion of it. I mean, what, what's yours? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I was li- literally just taking some some notes of what you said there about imagining losing a job that you love. Um, and it's something I'm, I've, I've been been through it so i can i can resonate with it and i the one thing that i always found was there was there's always a sense of embarrassment that i found which is probably a a totally illogical feeling um or maybe it's logical but that was how i felt at that time i felt like i'd let myself down it was a job that i'd spent what something like since i was a kid trying to aspire to get into and then suddenly it was not taken away from me but it wasn't there anymore and it was something that was difficult to get your head around at first. It felt a little bit ashamed and a little bit embarrassed. And yeah, and, and you're so right. It's something you've dedicated so much time to, and it's a job that you love. And then it's the, the next burning question is, what do I do next? Exactly. And yeah. You're kind it's of hard. picked up and just like dropped in the middle of the ocean. And yeah. you, you have to just completely shift your entire perspective. So I think it, irrelevant of the sport, that's that's where I think um, the area that that comes that one of the issues is where that manifests right and that's probably why they need why organizations need to your players and that so need to buy into the welfare side of things because the likelihood that you, you know you're not going to play forever um, yeah. some play longer than others um, some lose out to injury which is probably where um, most of my experiences and for uh you know luckily i haven't i haven't had a, a career career finding injury yet um where they've lost out but certainly long ones um you lose that that momentum as well um and then like you said where do, where do i go now like what what do i do I, this is what i wanted to do this is what i have been doing where do i go now and it's not like say if i lose my job now I, I could I could get a job somewhere else, and you know I still I love work I just love my job working with people, but it's very different, right? When when the demand like I I could be a distinctly average physio and and get a job somewhere, you know it's very different when it comes to um, elitism and, and that high performance when you're a sportsman. I think people just take it for granted. I think they look at them and go, oh yeah, they just get to doss around all day and they earn good money and drive nice cars and see the world and all that stuff. But that's true. And, and, um, but it doesn't come without its side effects, you know, and the pressure and stuff like that is massive. Um, things like suicide is, is extremely high in ex ex sportsmen. Um, yeah. So I think, I think it's a very, important area to highlight and it is being highlighted and it's being highlighted more and more um yeah so yeah i think uh the other the other thing probably more relative to my role is with cricket is the seasons like you lose out you lose a player right midway through a season so you got six months of playing yeah you get a um a stress fracture or something, or, you know, you do your knee in and you have to have an op and that's you for three months or four months or so, whatever. Yeah. That, that's not, that's not the case in cricket because as soon as that bleeds out past October, add another six months on. So yeah. that, that mentality of 
if I don't play now, I have to wait till next year. That that's an interesting dynamic in cricket, I think. Um, and the high the higher you get, like you want to go play abroad and all that stuff, that hasn't happened for a while. But you know, you you get drafted to the BBL or whatever. Like all these other things come into play. Um, and if you're injured during that time, it seems that you miss out on a lot of opportunity. And then the door for the next one, it is a while down the way. Um, yeah. That's an interesting dynamic that that we have to manage, um, or say say we just have to be aware of, and say I manage it. But uh, there's not much I can do about it. But we have to certainly be aware of shit. Like if if even if I could get them back for the last week, <laughs> that would mean a lot to them, you know. Yeah. Um, and then the interesting thing is breaking up into the into the senior squads difficult because it relies on a lot more time people you know you could you could go out and score a ton in twos cricket it doesn't mean that you're going to go up or you know that that's the the battle or you're going to get selected for england or you're going to go to the lions or something like that like the big linchpins seem so close but so far away at the same time in cricket Mm. where uh in football it's a bit different just because the amount of people and you know, we've got a few guys that go off to Academy England camps and, uh, but, but again, I think it's chalk and cheese, but for me, that, that that's an interesting, interesting, um, area from an injury perspective, certainly is the, you have to understand the seasons and the op- opportunities coming up and tie that into your planning. Right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I think that's pretty much just about everything that I wanted to cover um, on the podcast, Ali. I know that you're now working in Premier League football. For legal reasons, we're not going to actually mention the name of the club that you're working for, but you were a gooner. I am still a gooner. You are still a... But I never liked cricket, but I'm still a Worcester fan, you know? So I still go watch the boys. But um, yeah, yeah, you, you, you buy in when you're inside when you're in part of the club, you become part of the team. So you just end up supporting the team. Right. So yeah. Yeah. If, if when we play Arsenal, I'll still want Arsenal to win, but um, the likelihood of them winning is probably not as high, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah, mate. I I like it all. It's, It's all good fun. I like the people and, and you know, you get to learn their stories and their backgrounds, even if you don't work with them uh, directly, but you know, oh, so and so was. You know, you, you. Oh, I can't even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just be careful not to name anyone, Ali. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know, but yeah, you look at, uh, you know, a, a player that started in the academy goes all the way up and then gets brought for hundred mil. You know, it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Um, it's great to see and part of that journey and that's ricocheted throughout the club, you know, it's echoed. That's what our goal is really. Yeah. Um, in all seriousness, thank you for giving up your time um, to come onto the podcast. Pleasure, mate. Thanks. I hope it was interesting. I know. I'll yeah, no, I bit, found but, uh... it. I found it absolutely fascinating and, and, it, and it's absolutely great for us to, to have this chance to catch up and chew the fat for, for, for however long this episode has been. I haven't actually got a timestamp on me. Um, guys, that's it for another episode from me and the Sporting Minds UK podcast. Please listen in next time. Uh, bye for now. <laughs>